Dan, and all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea. Lord, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, and the city of uh, palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. And Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eyes, uh, his eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. Meaning he was just as healthy, robust, and strong as he was as a younger man. Verse 8, and the children of Israel, by the way, that was supernatural. God preserved him that way. And God took his life when God decided to take his life. A little interesting side note for us all, isn't it? You're, you, you, you've got a day coming. And you can eat all the tree bark you want to, but you're still going to die, okay? Right? <laughs> the fact of the matter is, God kept him healthy, and God then took his life while he was healthy. Anyways, we'll get to that in just a minute. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, and to all the servants, and to all his lands. And in all that mighty hand, and in all that great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. This is God's word, amen? The title of the message tonight is, Time to Come Home. Time to Come Home. The death of Moses. Let's pray. Lord, please speak to our hearts tonight. Thank you for this text of scripture. Speak loudly, clearly, boldly, and pertinently to every heart here tonight. Help us to be ready, Lord. Help us to know that there's a day coming, just like Moses, that our life will be over. It will be then that we will have wished we had given you more. And Lord, help us to live like this man of God lived, so that we can die like this man of God died. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I've enjoyed every moment of this study of the life of Moses. We track Moses from a young boy born into slavery in the land of Egypt. A man whose first 40 years of his life were spent, half of those uh, being trained in the ways of Egypt and being raised to leadership in the country of Egypt. The next 40 years of Moses' life were spent out in the Midian Desert being trained by his father-in-law, Jethro, and developing his family there and, 
and still following God on the backside of the desert. It was there, as you remember in Exodus chapter 3, that God called Moses to go back and be the emancipator of Israel, be the, the one who was going to be the great deliverer, and so he came and God uniquely used Moses. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Some people feel that the Bible is filled with miracles. It's actually not necessarily filled with miracles. There were seasons of miracles. And the Bible actually plainly says that. In fact, it tells us that it was through the prophets and the apostles that he worked those miracles. Moses being one of them. Really, it's not till the Elijah and Elisha that you see the next big round of miraculous works of God in that sense performed. So Moses was elite in that sense. He was a prophet of God. And by the way, that goes to show us that the only the apostles and the prophets in the New Testament and the Old Testament were those that performed miracles. Very interesting note for you to consider in a day where everybody thinks they're a miracle worker and everybody thinks they've got these special powers. God made it very clear in his word who was going to do those kinds of things. And Moses was a man who then took the children of Israel uh, what was supposed to be a very short journey doing probably the most notable miracle of all, the crossing of the Red Sea. And that's what this series has been all about, going forward, standing at our Red Seas and crossing them by faith. And that's really what spurred the whole theme of this entire year at Harvest Baptist Church. When they get on the other side of the Red Sea, they were uh, essentially almost directly went uh, to Kadesh Barnea. We looked at that just uh, a couple of weeks ago. And at Kadesh Barnea, they made the awful and terrible decision to not do what God told them to do. The last 40 years of Moses' life, totaling 120, were spent leading a backslidden, hard-necked group of people called the Israelites through a plethora of bad decisions, murmuring, complaining, uh, all sorts of problems. And, and really, Moses is one of the greatest examples of what leading under pressure is really all about. Uh, when we come to the book of Numbers, which is really uh, the book of the Bible that really shouldn't even be there because if the children of Israel would have done what they were supposed to do, they would have never been most of the book of Numbers. And then we come to the end of Moses' life, and really the book of Deuteronomy really all takes place right in the desert, right on the edge of this mountain, getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land of Canaan. And the entire book of Deuteronomy basically is, is, is called Deuteronomy because it means second law. Deutero means two, and namos means law, and so Deuteronomy means the second law. It was Moses reminding the people of the covenant between them and God. It was Moses warning the people not to turn their back on God when things got good, and when things got bad, they needed to remember back to the land of uh, the wilderness where God so wonderfully protected them all throughout that time. And as Moses finishes up his lessons, if you will, to the land, of the people of Israel, God takes him on one final journey. And the final journey in the good grace of God, God took Moses up Mount Nebo into the very peak of that mountain called Mount Pisgah. And there where he could see, I don't believe just naturally, but I also believe supernaturally, God allowed him to see every square inch of the land that God was going to have him go. But he then tells him, you're not going to get to live in that land. You're not going to get to cross that land. And, and although that must have been disappointing for Moses to be sure, I want you to know that God had some very special things to do for and show to 
words in Deuteronomy chapter 34. At the end of it all, this basically is the account of a man's death. It's the account of a man's death. It is a tribute to the man's life. And by the way, when you come to die, somebody's going to have to sit around with your family and try to drum up some kind of eulogy, some kind of tribute, some kind of memory. Some pre- hey, look, some preacher like me is going to stand over your uh, casket and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and there's hopefully something to be said about you that will only be said about you if it's true. Of your life, of when you die, something that was of value and worth doing. And I would say to you that when Moses dies, we see very plainly that he obviously was a man greatly used by God. But I believe we learn from this story, this funeral, if you will, of what it means to die well. Folks, I hate to be morbid tonight, but we're all going there. And if I'm going to go there, I may as well go there the right way. Remember, when you die, there's four statements I want you to remember that you will need to uh, keep in mind that you need to start thinking about now because now's the time to prepare for the day that you die. Number one, remember this. When you die, you are going to reflect upon the choices that you have made. You are going to reflect upon the choices that you have made. Listen very carefully to this statement. When you come to the end of your life, you are either going to say, thank God I did, or I wish I had. And mark it down, friend. In life, there are no mulligans. In life, there are no do-overs. Yeah, look, you don't get to go back and do this thing over again. You don't get to rewind back to your 20s and decide you're going to live your 20s over. Hey, listen, if you're in your 20s tonight, you've only got one shot to live in your 20s. If you're a young person, a teenager in this room, or a child, I'm telling you right now, you've only got one chance to be a teenager, one chance to be a young adult. Hey, you're only going to live through those 50s one time. You're only going to be a grandparent one time. You're only going to be a parent one time. You get one chance to scoot through this life, and my suggestion to you would be live as to have no regrets when it's over. Here God brings Moses up uh, to the land, shows him on this mountain peak all that could have been, and then he makes this statement that must have been hard to hear. I'm going to let you see it, but you ain't going. You want to know why? Because just a few months earlier, he made a critical mistake. God told him to provide water once again for these stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. I want you to go and I want you to strike the rock once. And when you strike the rock once, I'm going to pour forth water out of the rock. And Moses got so angry and so mad at the children of Israel. And good night, if you know the story, it's hard to blame the guy, kind of, to be honest with you. But it does show a point. And by the way, every staff, every leader, every parent, listen to what I'm getting ready to say right now. If you are a leader, God expects more out of you than he expects out of people who do not lead. Because he says, sight of the children of Israel, and that was the reason why he couldn't go. Now, I will say this. I believe that he didn't honor them ultimately because he had a 
that was never broken. I believe that for the entirety of Moses' life, he had an anger issue that God tried and tried and tried and tried to deal with, and he never dealt with it, and finally God had to deal with him. I mean, think about it. What did he do when he saw the Egyptian man slaying one of the Israelites? He got angry. In fact, the Bible says his anger was kindled, meaning he was, he, the, the anger welled up within him, and he slew a man. Then when he took the, got the first round of the Ten Commandments, he came back down at the, at the mountain, and when he saw the children of Israel acting like a fool, what did he do? He smashed the Ten Commandments in anger, and then when he struck the rock, it was in anger. i got to tell you something, friend. There is a situation where if you don't deal with sin in your life, it is ultimately going to deal with you. I bet when he stood on the mountain, he thought to himself, man, I wish I would have dealt with that one earlier. You know, some of you never thought that your anger problem, your lust problem, your alcohol problem, your drug problem, your, your cheating problem, your lying problem would go from one month to one year to 15 years to... 30 years, and some of you for your whole entire life now have just been chronically living with a sin that has literally grappled you and thrown you to the ground and kicked you while you were down. My friend, listen to me. Hey, listen, if you're not in the grave tonight, that means the last chapter, come on, has not been written yet. And tonight you can decide, you know what? I'm going to that place one day, but I'm right here and right now. I'm going to stop that. I'm done with that. I don't want to get to the end and wish I wouldn't have did that for all those years. God help us to live with the end in mind a little bit because when you do come to die you're going to reflect upon the choices that you made number two you're going to take a step that every man will take the bottom line in verse 5 is this so Moses the servant of the Lord died there now, folks, the, the truth of the matter is Moses was a good man and Moses was a godly man. And I think if there was ever a reason for anybody in the world to live longer than he lived, it would have been Moses. But just because you're good, just because you're godly, just because you're useful does not exempt you from dying. I mean, I'll be honest with you, my, my wife's dad died a few years ago, and, and i got to tell you, we've we talked many times, and i thought about it many times, there's a whole lot of other people that, in my opinion, could have went before him. A whole lot of people that were older, a whole lot of people that were more ruthless, a whole lot of people that were sinful and wicked, didn't love their, come on, didn't love their families, didn't love a God, didn't go to church, and, 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 and I'm telling you, as, as a human, I wrestle with that. We wrestle, why him? a good man, such a faithful man, such a God-honoring man. Why, why is that? Why did he have to go? And the answer is, he had to go because everybody has to go. And I didn't like the timing of it. I still don't like the timing of it. But friend, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this is the judgment. But some people get to prepare more than others. That's why Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. He said the time of my departure is at hand. He knew. 
it was coming. Not everybody has that kind of insider information, but Paul did. And then he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord is a righteous judge, should give me in that day, and not to me only, but also to all them that love his appearing. Are you listening to me, friend? You can die as a hero, or you can die as a zero. That's the bottom line. Here was Paul. Think about this. Paul, when it came time to dine, Paul said, I have fought. I have run. I have uh, 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 finished the course that God laid out before me. And folks, I want you to know something tonight. That's how I want to finish this. Isn't it you? Uh, don't, don't you want to get to the end of it all? And, and with every fiber of who you are and what you have, you've done everything that you can do to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, Paul taking, or God taking Moses out of the way and God taking anybody that you love out of the way was, was something single person in the world has to face but I'm telling you knowing we have to face it at least we can face it the right way at least we can draw our last breath with people around us that love us and having influence somebody for God somebody listen to me tonight at least when it's done I can be missed when I'm gone I can be loved when I'm gone because I invested my life the right way yes I'm going to die but my friend while I'm here I'm going to do everything I can to serve God love my my church and do what God wants me to do. I'm not going to be out of this life having done absolutely nothing for God. At least if I die, it'll be old and full of years and full of vigor and still serving God with my life. That's what Moses did. He did everything he could do knowing. Listen to this. He knew he wasn't going to the promised land. God already told him that. And he still faithfully served God. Still stood in base and preached the 33-chapter sermon. Still pled with these people that he knew weren't going to do what ultimately God wanted them to do. You know what I found out in ministry? There's a little lesson here for us to learn. I've shared it with some of our deacons. I've shared it with our staff. I'll share it with you tonight. We do not serve people and care for people and love people because of what we get out of it. We do it because it's right. We do it because it's why we're here. And if we can minister to people while we're here, that's the end game, church. You say, well, I know. I remember when you helped this one guy, that one guy don't even come to church anymore. Are you listening? to me friend I don't care who comes to church and who doesn't come to church the Bible tells me to love my neighbor as myself it's one of the reasons why we are here tonight it's the very mission of our church and whether I am loved or accepted or mistreated or misaligned or lied to or cursed guess what it really doesn't matter I can still do what I'm supposed to do whether or not you respond to me or not one of the verses that's so clear to me as a pastor is this, that I will love, I will be gladly spend to be spent for you all, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'm going to stand up here a year from now, God will, and preach the same way I'm preaching right now, with or without you. I'm not a fool. <laughs> I mean, you may think I am, but I'm really not. I've looked, at, I've looked at little groups of people at this church, and I looked at them and said to them, you know, chances are you might not even be here a year from now. And guess what? They ain't here a year from now. So what do you do? Well, you just keep 
Sowing seed, that's what you do. You just keep preaching the word. You just keep going after sinners. You just keep, and that's why I'm not going after a snooty church crowd and trying to build this thing on a bunch of people that are all sophisticated and well put together. My friend, you can have that. I had somebody come to me and challenge me for the second time in a grand total of two weeks of them visiting our church, and I just pulled them aside and said, man, look, I just got to tell you something, friend. I am not here to cater to you. This is who we are. This is what we do. If you don't like it, man, hey, look, go find a place that you like for crying out loud. But don't sit out here in the back with your little religious snooty background and tell me everything I'm doing wrong. My friend, I'm trying to get on my knees every week and ask God, hey, this is not, hey, friend, listen to me. You don't preach the way I preached this morning or preach tonight and call this place seeker-friendly. Are you crazy? Seeker-friendly churches don't preach what I preached this morning at Harvest Baptist Church. They don't do it. That's not possible. So I'm not here trying to win friends and influence necessarily. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here for that at all. I'm here to reach souls, preach the gospel, go after sinners, love people, do the best I can while bringing my family along for the Lord. And I'm not going to stoop what I'm doing, change what I'm doing, because some snooty Christian doesn't get it. My soul. The only person that's ever given me any trouble at this church is some snooty Christian. I'm serious. You don't ever find some sinner looking for help, looking for, come on, looking for Jesus, looking to get put back together. Uh, uh, maybe didn't grow up on the right side of the tracks, maybe didn't have all things together. You don't find those kinds of people turning up their spiritual nose at, at pastors and at all. What you find is they're ready for it. They want it. Hey, give me that all day long. I mean, Moses knew he wasn't going in. And he knew they weren't going to do what he said they were going to do, even though he preached the whole sermon on it. He preached 33 chapters knowing they weren't going to listen to it. I stand up here every week of my life, listen to me, and I preach my guts out knowing that some of you will never listen to a word I say. <laughs> You're just not. For instance, how could you be at Harvest Baptist Church more than three seconds and not know this is a soul winning church. <laughs> you just, you can't. So if you're not a soul winner, you don't listen. You don't listen to God. So I know coming in, I know. And I'll do everything I can to love you, care for you, and do whatever for you. But I'm telling you right now, I stand here today with very open hands. I will love you till Jesus comes. I'll be here preaching until Jesus comes, Lord willing. But I'm going to tell you right now, I am not walking around trying to grab a hold of everybody and trying to keep everybody and do everything I can to pacify every little Christian problem that comes up. I am here to do the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing that some get it, some don't. You never come to a church two days, two Sundays in a row, and the Sunday morning crowd that was assembled this morning will never be assembled exactly like that ever again in the future of this church. Church, I know that, I get that, and guess what? I'm going to get up on Easter Sunday morning and do the same thing I did this Sunday morning. I'm going to keep preaching, keep serving, keep loving, keep giving, keep doing everything that I can do, whether or not the people do what we encourage them to do. And that's what Moses came to the end of his life doing, just doing the right thing. Just doing the right thing. 
The third thing we see about this death of Moses that we can all learn is this. Number three, you should make, get this, I love this, you should make the glory of God the priority of your life. You should make the glory of God the priority of your life. Look at verse 6. It's an amazing thing. So, or Verse 5. So Moses, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. Over, oh, by the way, do you know who buried Moses? There's only two people in this exchange, folks. God and Moses. And Moses got buried... So there's only one more person left there to bury him. Hey, I'd like God to preside over my funeral service. (laughs) But notice what it says at the end of the verse. Verse 6, but no man knoweth of his sepulcher. Unto this day. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? You would think that a man of this caliber would have had the biggest monument marker at his gravesite. You would think that if anybody needed bigger, better, $200,000 memorial marker, Taj Mahal, if you will, it would have been Moses. And you say, well, why, why is it that God buried Moses? Nobody, not even anybody, none of the children of Israel, Joshua, knew where Moses was buried. Well, why did God do it that way? And I believe it was to honor a man who his whole life did nothing but selflessly and tirelessly serve God. Very Remember, folks, it was Moses that is the one who stepped out when the children of Israel were flailing against God on more than one occasion. Hey, listen, just, 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 just please, don't destroy the people of Israel. I mean, what are they going to think if you destroy them? I mean, I mean the people out there are going to think that, that you can't handle your own people. By the way, do you, do you know that God told Moses, if I wipe Israel out, I'll start a brand new nation and give them your name? That means we'd be calling them the children of Moses, not the children of Israel. Because Israel was a first name, in case you didn't know that, Jacob's name. Do you know Moses turned it down? Did you hear what I just said? Moses turned it down, you want to know why? For the glory of God. (laughs) One man said it like this. The mystery of the sepulcher of Moses is not that difficult to understand. Is it not more than likely that if the Lord had not concealed his grave, the valley of Beth Peor would have become a second Mecca of sorts, trodden by the feet of pilgrims from all over the world? It was best to make such idolatry impossible. You know what God's saying? 
Moses, it was never about you anyways. You always made it about me. So I'm not going to glamorize your death. I'm not going to glamorize your grave. I'm not going to turn this into you because I know that's not what you would have wanted in the first place. Because when I offered you a chance to have the nation named after you, you turned it down. And why did you turn it down? You turned it down for my glory, for my honor, that my name would be known, that my name would be recognized. For crying out loud, I wish some preachers would get a hold of this stuff. Hey, my soul, they hand out honorary doctorates like candy at schools that don't even offer doctorates degrees and about the time you get some fake piece of paper doctorate you go hang it on your uh, uh, door you go uh, get all the buses repainted with doctor this are you kidding me friend if you're going to have a doctorate at least earn it for crying out loud and if you earn it you don't have to tell everybody about it you'll never call me doctor here Ever. And I'll have one within two years. It'll never be on our stationery. It'll never be on our bus. It'll ne- no, nobody at this church will ever call me Dr. Sams. I am pastor. I am Pastor Brian. I am preacher. That's who I am. I'm not some snooty doctor uh, hanging up at some ivory tower somewhere. And my friend, if that's what it's all about, then it's certainly not all about God. I'm so fed up with preachers and leaders that it's all about them. And to be quite honest with you, it gets pretty ugly when it's in the church too. People who get upset because they didn't get a position. Oh, really? There's a reason you didn't. And there's a reason you won't. I appreciate one of my men. I talked to him recently. I said, pray with me about being maybe a deacon soon. I said, I'm only got four deacons right now. Our church is growing like wildfire. I said, I'm, I'm going to need probably a couple more soon. You know what he said? He said, Pastor, look, I don't have to be a deacon. But I'm going to serve like I am no matter what. <laughs> oh, I like that. You want to do something big for God? Let me tell you what to do. Go get you a towel. Go get you a bowl and fill it with water, and go wash somebody's feet in Jesus' name. Hey, you want to do something great for God? Hey, come up here and volunteer like the Timlins jumped in, just like that. Not even a second of hesitation. Clean the auditorium. Uh, paint the walls. Help us out in every possible way you can be. Quit looking for a position and start looking for a towel and a bowl and get on your knees and do something for God. Hey, hey, instead of looking for a position or a title or to be on the platform trying to get glory to yourself, why don't you go out and go knock on the doors of some of these uh, less fortunate people and the HUD housing unit. Offer some a bread for Jesus' name. Give a cold cup of water in Jesus' name. Then you might, just then, might be recognized by somebody as maybe doing one thing in your life that actually matters. My friend, you think it's a position? You think it's a title? I don't give titles to people that don't serve. It'll never happen. And by the way, I don't give titles to people to try to encourage them to be more faithful. That's so unbiblical. I can't think of anything more unbiblical than that. Are you kidding me? You don't give positions to people to entice them to be more faithful. That's not how it works. When you are faithful in few things, then you are made faithful over much. You don't even have to think about it. It's not like you have to sit down at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a council table trying to figure out who the servants are. You know who the servants are. church will never be what it could be. 
while some of you sit on your hands. Thinking, well, if I was a teacher, if I was a this, if I was that. I can't make you this or that because, frankly, I don't know if you're even going to be here. How am I going to make you a teacher, a leader, a deacon, a servant in my church when two out of three or two out of four or one out of every five or, or during this season or that season or this thing, that thing? I don't even know if you're going to be, hey, look, I don't need to find subs. I don't have any subs as it is. And I don't need you to create for me another job trying to fill your spot because you're never here. Quit being a glory hound. You say, well, that's what you are. You're the pastor. Are you kidding me? That's so laughable. I just, I honestly, I just about finished the sermon and laughed that one till the rapture comes. In case you forget, this wasn't like Glamour City when I showed up. I didn't come here because it was glorious. I didn't come here because being a pastor here was a great huge position recognized across the universe no friend if anything i had that where i was and i'm here to tell you it's not about that it's never been about that about that i didn't think it was one ounce of a big deal to be a vice president of bible college or a chief bible teacher at a bible college that never meant anything to me i just wanted to be where god wanted me to be and do what god wanted me to do and if harvest baptist church never grew to three four five hundred six hundred a thousand people i could at least know that i could be faithful where i was doing what god wanted me to do with or without the success everybody wants to come in now Virginia, hey, Pastor Chance, can I come? Can I move? Is it good? Can I move down there? You didn't want to move with me when he did. You look right here. This guy right over here. You want to know what he moved here for? To teach third through sixth graders. Half of them didn't even go to our church. This guy. His skill level and pay grade and things like that. I was called to be the pastor here on July 23rd of 2016, and on July 25th, on July 25th, two days later, I wasn't even here yet. He said, I'm in. Some of y'all need to figure this out. Look, my respect level for people like this is so high, I couldn't even begin to describe. There is no way in the world that I can describe to you what somebody like that right there means to me or somebody like Brother Jason back there who for three months we were driving from the men's retreat. Brother Greg was sitting up front with me and Jason said, hey, preacher, that's where I, that's where I lived right off this exit. Two hours and 15 minutes one way uh, to here for three months. Drove it three months. Hey, I got people beating the door down wanting this, wanting to know how they can be on paid staff, wanting to know how they can be involved in something. I'm like, hey, how about this? How about you get in your car and drive two and a half hours? How about you come up here and grab a towel and a, come on, and serve somebody in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and quit looking for something and just do what God wants you to do and be where God wants you to be and God might use you. I like people like that. Everybody wants to come to church like that. I went out to California. Every my pastor would get resumes every every day. Everybody wants to come to church when a five thousand with a thousand kids in a Bible college. Everybody wants to do that. But who wanted to come to the little church downtown in Lancaster, California, where 12 people called him and busted up foul? Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something right now. It takes vision. It takes a servant's heart. It takes a desire to be something great for God and do whatever it takes to get that done. And so God said, I'm just going to bury you over here because I want people to make a big deal out of your death. 
I appreciate all the honor and respect you guys give a pastor. I mean it. It means a lot to me. I couldn't do what I get to do here if I didn't have that here. But my friend, never make this about me. This is not about me. I'm going to Mount Pisgah one day too. And I don't know when. I'd like it to be when I'm old and mean. (laughs) I want to be able to be grumpy. I want to be, look, I want to be able to go to a restaurant and make a scene and embarrass my grandkids. That's what I want. I want, look, I want to be able to wear old school grandpa tennis shoes and khaki pants and just chill and not worry about anything. That's what I want to do. I want to be, look, I want my feet kicked up. Uh, buy a golf course somewhere in central Florida when I'm 80 and I've retired, you know, 10 years or whatever. And I just want to be sitting there doing nothing except for drinking tea and, 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 and reading Fox News. <laughs> and forwarding out every kind of shared post on Facebook possible. I mean, every little, every little video of a donkey kicking an an, another animal. Every look, every little kid sitting there singing his song. That's what I want to do. But you want to know what? I might not make it there, but I will tell you this. Whenever I do, come on, whenever I do climb the mountain, this is my goal. I want the work of this church to go on because it's not about me. Which leads me to the final thing, and that's this. The final thing you need to remember when it's time to climb the mountain is you should live in such a way to be missed when you're gone. Look, if you will, at verse number 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plain of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. You know what's amazing about verse number 8? Mark this down. When he was alive, they hated him. When he was alive, they never listened to him. When he was alive, they, they everything he did, if he said turn right, they turned left. 